All right, let's stand in reverence to the reading of God's word. 2 Kings chapter 18. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abib the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places, break the images, cut down the groves, break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto these days the children of Israel did burn incense to it. And he called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. He clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you today for your truth and your love and your mercy and your grace. Father, I thank you for how you use Father, not only mothers, but fathers in our children and our grandchildren's lives. And so, Father, I just pray you would use this text to help us uh, this morning. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. You may be seated. Well, I want you to look at this passage with me tonight. um, Because this is a, uh, or this morning, this is a unique passage. Now, uh, of all the kings that are mentioned in the Old Testament, There's only two kings that have more written about them than Hezekiah. And you say, who are those two kings? Well, one of them is David, and the other is Solomon. And those are the only two kings that have more written about them than Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah was a king that, this passage unfolds, uh, was a king that really did not have godly influence from his father. His father was King Ahaz. And uh, he was, just to put it simply, a wicked, wicked man. Uh, But yet Hezekiah turned out to be a man that walked in great faith and trust to the Lord. You say, why is that? Well, because he had a mother that had a great witness of the Lord. Now, as we look at this passage, you're going to find out um, that, listen, it, it... God's design, how many of you agree that, that a father and mother dry, uh, grow the grace of knowledge together? Would you all agree with that? Say amen. But sometimes that don't happen. And, and so what if that don't happen, what do we do? Well, the reality is God many times can use one if, not, if the other is not on board. And God can use one to have a great influence on the other. And you find this with Hezekiah. Um, because what Hezekiah did as king was just a testimony of what he learned from his mother. So we're going to look at both of these things because there's lessons in this for every one of us in here today. Whether you're a mother, whether you're single, whether you are a man, it doesn't matter. There are lessons for you and I in this passage. So let's look at this together. I want to begin by looking first at the family of Hezekiah. You find this in verse number 1 in verse 2. Verse 1, we find out he was the son of Ahaz, king of Judah. And and Ahaz, as I said, was a wicked, wicked king. So let's look first at the wickedness 
of his father. You say, well, how wicked was Ahaz? Well, Ahaz was a king that led Israel down the road of idolatry. Uh, Ahaz was king that came into a, a agreement or, if you will, partnership with the Assyrian king, I, I mean, which God forbid. But see, can I tell you, as bad as that is, that doesn't even begin to tell of the wickedness of Ahaz. And you say, well, why do you say that? Well, look, go back with me to chapter 16 and look at verses 2 through verses 4. And you're going to find out some details about Ahaz and just the depth of his wickedness, but also what Hezekiah was exposed to in his upbringing. Look at verse number 2. Twenty years old was Ahaz when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And watch what it says. And did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God, like David his father. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, yea, made his son to pass through the fire according to the abominations of the heathen who the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places and on hills and under every green tree. You say, well, what is the wickedness of Ahaz? Get this picture. He made Hezekiah as a young boy literally walk through fire so he could appease his idolatrous gods knowing that it could bring his own son to the end of his life. And you say, well, wait a minute, nobody do that. Ahaz did that. And that's what Hezekiah grew up with. And that was the exposure he had to his father being King Ahaz. And so here's the reality. The reality is psychologists would say this. If you have upbringing like that, you have no shot to be moral in this world. But I got news for you today. They forgot one person, the Lord Jesus. He can change everything. And the Lord Jesus can do anything and change everything. And God sovereignly, providentially, had another influence in Hezekiah's life that offset the influence, the wicked influence of his father, and that was a godly, godly mother. And this is where God puts his finger. And so this is the wickedness of Ahaz, his father. But notice the witness of his mother. I want you to see this. This just struck me. It says in verse 2, 20 and 5 years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. Now watch what God does. His mother's name also was Abee, the daughter of Zechariah. Now let's begin with this daughter of Zechariah. Who is this? Well, there, there's a couple Zacharias in the Bible. One was the prophet Zechariah uh, that we read about at the end of the Old Testament. But the other was the right-hand man to King Uzziah. And, and King Uzziah was a, a, a godly king. But King Uzziah, remember Isaiah chapter 6? Isaiah said when King Uzziah died, I looked up and I saw God high and lifted up. All right, here's the reality. The reality is that Hezekiah's mother was the son of King, of, of the, uh, king Uzziah's right-hand man, Zechariah. And this was a godly, godly man. So we have a woman who now has a godly upbringing. And now we have Hezekiah who now has a wicked father but has a mother that has a godly upbringing and has a witness of the Lord. And so this is where we're at. And you say, well, wait a minute. Uh, she, could, she could have had a godly upbringing and still not been, if you will, a witness of the Lord. Because, listen, you can have a godly upbringing and still not be a good witness. Would you agree with that? Say amen. So how do we know this was her testimony? Well, 
in the Old Testament, God gave names to people that identified who they were and their characteristics. And, and man named their children according to their characteristics. And, and so many times God would give names that would define who that person was in the way they lived. And that's where we find out exactly who this lady was. Now, go back with me just a minute. I want to bring out her full name because what we find here in verse 2 is her, sh her short name. Y'all know sometimes people have a full name, but sometimes we give it a short, shorter version of it because it's easier for us to say. And, and so in verse 2, we have the short name of her. But I want you to go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 1, and we have her full name. And it is all some picture of who she really was. The Bible says, Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old, and he reigned 9 and 20 years in Jerusalem. Now watch this. And his mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. So now here he says her full name is Abijah, not just Abi. Abi was her short name. Now, here's why that's important. Because the word of be, the first, it's really two Hebrew words put together. And the first Hebrew word is this word we get the word of be from, her short name. And here's what it means. It means fatherly. Now you say, why is that important? Oh, it's ma majorly important. Now, how many agree today that God never wants someone to take the role of the father? Other than the father. But can I tell you, sometimes God uses a mother to be an influence on their kids as if to, if you will, replace the lack of influence from the father. And so the picture here is, is this woman was, had a fatherly type influence on Hezekiah. She was the one God used to help Hezekiah understand the ways of the Lord and the things of God. And she was the one that God used in his place. Now, so what about the jaw, a bijah? Well, here's what that word means. It's a Hebrew word that means Lord most vehement. Lord most vehement. So what does it say? It says that the reason she had great influence on her son was because she was vehemently for the Lord. In other words, it didn't matter what her husband did. It didn't matter that her husband had led Israel into wickedness and idolatry and all that. She stayed faithful, vehemently faithful to the Lord the whole time. And this became a evidence or a testimony unto Hezekiah, whereby Hezekiah began to walk in those ways. So I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. If you have children or grandchildren that have went awry, don't you ever believe the lie that it's too late. And you say, why is that? Because I promise you, God can use the witness of one to draw and change the heart of many. And you need to understand that. I was talking to Ron Lynch. Ron called me at 7 o'clock this morning. And uh, you say, well, why did he call you so early? He knew me. I'm always at the church by 7 o'clock anyway. But anyway, he called me this morning, and we were talking a little bit. He's preaching at another church, and, and we were talking a little bit about what we were preaching. And he said, let me give you an illustration that will help you in that message. I said, okay, give it to me. He said his daughter, Amy, one of his daughters named Amy, uh, when she came to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus, uh, Amy communicated to, to Ron and his wife, Judy, 
she said, I want to tell you what God used to bring me to the place where I realized I was lost. And here's what Amy told. Amy said that when she surrendered her heart to the Lord and the Lord saved her, she began to pray. And here's what she began to pray. She said, Father, would you give me a faith that I don't have that's like my mama? Ron asked her, said, Amy, was there anything specific about your mama that really triggered um, in your mind and in your heart the amount of faith she had? Here's what Amy said. She said, yes, there was one event, and I've never got past it. And Ron said, well, what was that event, Amy? And Ron says that Amy told him that there was a time, and I, I think I've got this right, but there was a time where Miss Judy had got out of sorts um, with her neighbor. And when she got out of her sorts with her neighbor, um, she probably didn't respond well. Y'all say amen. How many agree we can all get in the flesh from time to time? All right. And she went home, and later on, after doing her devotion, um, she got under conviction. She went back over to the neighbor. Amy was with her. She went back over to the neighbor. And she walked up to the neighbor's house, knocked on his door, and he, she said, I need you to forgive me for the way I responded to you. And Amy said, when she done that, she said, I never, ever got past that. And she said, God used that to show me I didn't have what my mama had. Can I tell you something? You never know what God will use to prick a heart. Are y'all with me? Say amen. You see, here's a man, Hezekiah. He has a king. He has a father that made him walk through fire just so he could appease his idol gods. He had a father that led Israel, a whole God's people, into idolatry and pagan worship. He had a father that was wicked to the core, but he had one witness. He had a mama who had a vehement heart for the Lord and a mama that became a fatherly influence to Hezekiah. See, this is the glory of it. See, God can use anyone, anytime, any place. Now you say, well, preacher, it, it, my kids are too old. It's too late. Or my grandkids are too old. It's too late. Oh, no, it's not too late. Uh, let me tell you one other illustration. I had a man at the first church I pastored who would not darken the doors of a church. Uh, let me tell you how vehemently he was about not darkening the door of the church. His brother died. His funeral was in the church. He didn't even come to his brother's funeral because it was in a church. So would you agree this guy's, okay? God saves the man. And when God saved the man, you talk about changing. I mean, it was like, it was like flipping a switch on. And all of a sudden, this man was never missed a service. Came Sunday morning, Sunday night. Oh, I'm sorry. Wednesday night too? Y'all say amen. I, I mean, he never missed a service. I, I mean, he, he had a heart for the Lord. He developed a, a, a desire to want to learn the word. I, I mean, he, he, he just, it's like major transformation. Well, he had two sons that were in their 20s and 30s. And one day I ran, his two sons worked with him. They hung drywall. One day I ran into one of his sons. I said, how you like your new dad? His son looked at me and he said, I don't like him one bit. 
He's no fun anymore. You see, when God saved him, it changed his vocabulary. It also changed his drinking habits. And he said he's no fun anymore. And so what, now, we listen to that and say, well, that's not good. Oh, listen, I thought it was glorious. And you say, why do you thought it was glorious? Because here's a man that had a witness, and even though his son was not liking it, his son, it bothered him. And you say, well, what about the other son? His other son got right, started getting into church, and his other son, the last I heard, is still in church to this day. You, you say, what are you talking about? I'm saying God can use the witness of just one. And God used the witness of a godly mother that set Hezekiah on path to be a godly king. And so, this is the family of Hezekiah. Now, uh, let's see if there's evidence of all this in his life. Well, notice the faithfulness of Hezekiah. Look, verse 3. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And you say, well, what is that saying? Well, it's talking about Hezekiah's path of living. That that is right in the sight of the Lord. So how did he live? Now listen, here's a king. Now get this picture. Here's a king walking into a, being a king over a nation who is absolutely enjoying themselves, worshiping idols, worshiping false gods. They already have got that built into their DNA. And here's Hezekiah coming in. Now, if Hezekiah wanted to please man, here's what he said. Keep doing what you're doing. It's hilariously okay. Does that sound like our country today? But yet, what did Hezekiah do? Hezekiah lived in the sight of God. What does that mean? He wasn't after what man would say about him. He was after what God was going to say about him. He lived in awe of the presence of God, that God was always watching, God was always looking, and God is the only one that mattered. And Hezekiah did that that was right in the sight of God. Now, how many of you agree you're not going to do what's right in the sight of God if you don't know what's right in the sight of God? So what does it say? Hezekiah had a desire to learn what God had to say. Had a desire to learn the truth. Why? So he could walk in it. You know why most people don't walk in, the, in, in obedience? Because they don't know what the God's saying. They don't have a clue what the Bible says. I mean, they listen to what man says, and they say, well, hey, you can okay, live it up a little bit. I got news for you. That's not in the Bible. And by the way, I'm just going to go down this path since I started it. Y'all love me, say amen. Would someone show me in here, anywhere, where it says that Wednesday night and Sunday night are not important? You say, well, there's no verse in the Bible that says we have to come on Wednesday night and Sunday night. You're right, but can I tell you there's no verse in the Bible that says you've got to come on Sunday morning either. But can I tell you what the Bible does say? Here's the way the first church started. They met every day in the apostles' doctrine. So you say, well, preacher, what do you want to do? Let's meet every day. You say you'd do that? Absolutely I would. But here's the problem. I may have three people. I'm just telling you the truth. You see, it's not a matter of the day. It's not a matter of when. It's not a matter of that at all. Here's what the matter is. Do I have a desire to be under the Word of God every time the Word of God is open to me to sit under it? That's the issue. 
And so, so you say, why did you say that? Because listen, Hezekiah went against the culture. Hezekiah went against the mindset of Israel and the pleasures of Israel. And Hezekiah did that which was right in the sight of God and it didn't matter what anybody else thought. All right, so notice this. Not only the path of living, but the pattern of living. Notice what it says. It says in verse 3, and he, he did that was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. Now you say, why is this important? Because there's only three kings in which God ever said that. Asa, Josiah, and Hezekiah. And these three kings are the only three kings that God said they did that which their father David did. It wasn't that David was their earthly father, but David was the heritage of the spiritual fatherhood of Israel. And so he did right, and he did that. God, a man after God's own heart, it's what God called David. You say, yeah, but preacher... I mean, you've you got to remember what David did. I mean, Bathsheba, Uriah, you don't remember that preacher? Oh, yes, I remember that. But can I tell you something? The predominance of his life was that he walked in obedience to God. And by the way, Hezekiah wasn't sinless perfect. But here's the reality. Now, a lot of people think, well, the sin of Bathsheba and Uriah, that went on for years and years and years and years. I got news for you. Read your Bible. It was one year when, when David repented. One year. When Nathan confronted him. And so Hezekiah had a pattern of life that was very much representative of David's obedience to God. Where did he learn this? From his mother. Notice thirdly, not only do we see the family and the faithfulness of Hezekiah, the fervor of Hezekiah. Look at verse 4. He removed the high places, broke the images, and cut down the groves, and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense uh, to it. Now notice what his fervor was, his passion. What did Hezekiah do? Now remember, all Israel has given themselves to this. So what did Hezekiah do? Well, you know, listen, I, I, can't, I can't change the whole nation. Uh, I mean, I just, I've just got to... I've got to get along. Does that not sound like our government today? Tell people what they want to hear? All right. But here's what Hezekiah did. He said, this ain't right. And we're not, going, we're not going to go down this road anymore. So Hezekiah went against the whole culture of a people. And he tore down the images. Now, what's this word images? It, it's a Hebrew word called Ashtaroth. And here's what it is. It's the goddess of fertility. So there was images of the goddess of fertility in which they were worshiping. The groves that it talks about here were, were wooden, uh, if you will, stakes that were carved out in the form of this goddess. And so they would worship these idols. They would bend the knee to an image of a goddess of fertility. And, 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 and Hezekiah said, we're not doing this anymore. And so Hezekiah went in and literally tore them all down. How many agree? From a political standpoint, he's not getting many votes. But it didn't matter. What mattered to him was doing what was right in the eyes of God. And God he knew that God's word said that they wouldn't worship idols. But notice what else he did. He cut up the brazen serpent that Moses made in the wilderness. Now you say, well, how dare him do that? 
I mean, that was something God gave. I mean, God gave to protect people. Y'all, y'all remember what happened? Serpents were biting the people of Israel. And, and remember what God said? He said, make a brazen serpent, lift it up. If you look to that, you'll be kept or you'll be protected. And then remember, Jesus applied it as Moses lifted up the serpent. So if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Y'all remember? Say amen. You say, well, why in the world did he cut that to pieces? Because here's what happened. They were taking what God intended to be a good, and they were taking it and turned it into an idol, and they began to burn incense and worship the brazen serpent. So not only did he move against the worldly culture of Israel, he moved against the very religious culture of Israel. He Listen, Hezekiah was a man that took a stand and said, I don't care if it's religious. I don't care if it's something God gave in the past. If we treat it wrong now, we're doing away with it because God's not pleased with it. This is what Hezekiah did. Now listen, I've preached... Guys, I, I don't know how many churches I've preached in. Well over 100. But I want you to listen to me. Can I tell you what identifies the majority of churches in America? They have an idol. You say, what's the idol? Tradition. I, don't tell, I can't tell you how many times I've had pastors call me. And they said, I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do. I said, what are you in trouble? And he said, they've come to me and they said, we didn't do it like this before. I'm glad we don't have that at liberty. Praise the Lord. But listen to me. So many churches are identified that way. You see, this was something that Israel thought as highly untouchable, that brazen serpent. God gave it to them. Don't touch it. And Hezekiah said, God's not pleased. And we're going to dismantle. Now, how many agree? Hezekiah wasn't out to make friends and influence people. You see, all he cared about was obeying God. Where did he learn that from? Well, think about it. If his mother, Abi, was living in the situation she was living in with that wicked king Ahaz, would you not agree that she had to make some stands? Are y'all seeing this? Say amen. I mean, this is, this is how this flows down. All right, so now, so look next at the faith of Hezekiah. Look at verse 5. He trusted in the Lord of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah nor any that were before him. You say, what do you mean? Well, there was something about Hezekiah that set him apart from all the other kings. And you say, what was it? Faith. I mean, can you imagine going out as king and making the decrees, tear down every idol, tear down every grove, every image of, of, of Ashtoreth, tear them all down. Hey, say, and by the way, tear down what's most precious to them. Tear down that brazen serpent as well. Can you imagine the amount of faith it would take for him to do that? You say, well, why did he do it? Because he trusted God. This is what God wanted. This is what God's direction was. And he didn't, it, all he cared about was just abandoning himself to the Lord. But then notice the following of Hezekiah. For he clave, verse 6, to the Lord and departed not from following him. He clave. The word clave is the same word used in Genesis where it says, leave your father and mother and cleave unto. Talking about marriage. Y'all with me? Say amen. Same word used here. What does it mean? It literally means that you leave 
and you attach yourself to as one. Attaching yourself to as one. Now, how many of you agree today? Now, y'all love me, say amen. How many of you agree today that the covenant of your marriage is of such that it's precious? Can I tell you what's more precious? The covenant of your relationship with the Lord. You see, your relationship with God and obeying God trumps everything. See, here's Hezekiah's testimony. He clave, he attached himself to the Lord. He became one with the Lord. Because isn't that what it means with marriage? Leave your father and mother, cleave unto your spouse. What does that mean? You become one with them. All right, so, so what does it say? Hezekiah clave unto the Lord. This is the oneness of Hezekiah. But notice the obedience of Hezekiah. Look at verse six, bottom verse 6. But kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. So how did Hezekiah live? In absolute obedience. Now, was he sinless perfect? No. But the predominance of his life was obedience. Let me ask you a question. Your kids, your grandkids. Can they look at your life? And above everything else in your life. How many agree it's good to be a hard worker? How many agree it's good to be faithful to your job? How many agree it's, it's, it's good to be faithful to put food on the table? How many agree it's good to protect your family? Okay. Now, with all that said, and we could add, okay. But out of all those things, which is better? For your ch children to say, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for working hard that we could, we could uh, make it as, as a family. All those things are good. None of those things are bad. Are y'all hearing me say amen? Would you rather hear that? Or thank you that you taught me what obedience is? If we polled America and we say out of one being the best, ten being the worst, what would be your top two desires for your children or grandchildren? 90, 95%, here's what they're going to say. You say, how do you know this? Because they've already done it. We have, this, we have the data. Y'all say amen. All right, what is your number one, number two desire for your kids or your grandkids? Number one and number two, here's what they are. Good well-being. In other words, they prosper in this world. Number two, good health. Now, is there anything wrong with either one of those? But can I tell you what the number one should be? That they do that that is right in the sight of the Lord? Because here's the reality. Listen to me. Y'all loving me? Say amen. Listen to me. Because our kids and our grandkids can flourish in success in this world have all this they want have the greatest job the greatest college all that nothing wrong with any of that if that's what god provides y'all say amen but listen to what i'm saying but can have no desire to walk in the right ways of god
So which would you rather have, a child that has to live paycheck to paycheck if that's what God wants and be right with God? Or a child that's 100% healthy can buy whatever Mustang they want to buy? Y'all say that. I've done made some Mustang lovers mad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all got to love me anyway. Y'all remember what the Bible says. Y'all say amen. Listen. All right, so what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff as long as God's first. But see, we live a day today that here's our mindset as parents and grandparents in America. We want to do whatever it takes to appease our children. So we let them make the decision. You asked a lot of people why they choose the church. Because my kids like it. Now, I praise God that we've got good children's ministry and good youth ministry. Y'all say amen. Churches ought to have that. But I want you to listen to me. The number one reason to choose a church is truth. I mean, we let our kids choose when they want to do this, when they want to do that. But see, here's what Hezekiah did as king. You don't have a choice. I'm your king. We're not doing this anymore. And he just trusted God. He just trusted God. I mean, this, this is the faith. This is the following. All right, so, so we see the oneness and the obedience of Hezekiah in the following. But notice the favor of Hezekiah. So what happened because Hezekiah was obedient to God? I mean, listen, from, from, a, from a pollster standpoint, this man wouldn't make it to be king. I mean, he, he's going against what everybody that is his following, everybody, he's going against everything they want. But watch what God does. Look at this with me. This is an amazing little passage. I, I love it. Watch what it says. Just because he's obedient, the favor of God rested upon him. Watch what it says here in verse number 7. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth. So in other words, everything he put his hand to, what did God do? God intervened and said, I'm going to make it prosper. So in other words, Hezekiah went against all the culture of Israel, all the culture of his, of his wicked father, went against all of that, and yet what happened? Everything he touched, God prospered. I mean, this was Hezekiah's resources. God was with him. Now, we live in this side of the Pentecost. So, listen, God's not with us. God's in us. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So, what's most important to me? That I tap into the resource I have in Christ in me? Or that I tap into the resources this world can give me? You see, Hezekiah walked with the favor of God on him. Why? Because he just walked in the right ways of God. He obeyed God. His desire was God. Where did he learn it from? His mother. His mother. Vehement, vehement, vehement unto the Lord, his mother's name is says. Vehement unto the Lord. And she took a fatherly ministry in his life, and he learned it from her. And because he learned it from her, he walked in it himself. Hezekiah's rebellion. You say, well, preacher, here we go. Here's a sin. Oh, no, this is a good rebellion. 
You say, when's rebellion? Good. Well, you're going to find out right here. Watch what it says. Verse 7, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. He smote the Philistines, even unto Gaza, the borders thereof, and the tower of the watchmen and the fifth cities. What is it saying? That Hezekiah, remember what his father did? His father entered into a covenant with the Assyrian king and partnered himself with a people that God said you shouldn't have nothing to do with. And yet here's Hezekiah. He's walking now in, in the light of the faith which he learned from his mama. And here's what it says. He rebelled against the king of Assyria. What does that mean? He undid what his father did. Why? Because God didn't want it. And he chose to walk the ways of God versus the ways of man. Let me close with an illustration and I'm done. 1 Timothy the first six verses or so. Paul talks about Timothy, and he said about Timothy, he said, you have two godly influences in your life. One was his mother, one was his grandmother. There's a peculiar little phrase in that section of verses. And in the original language, here's the way it reads. Timothy was at home in the faith of his mother and grandmother. The faith of his grandmother and mother were, was at home in him. And he was at home in that faith. Now, you, now listen, I don't want anybody to walk out of here saying something I didn't say. You cannot live off the faith of your parents. You can't live off the faith of someone else. Y'all say amen. So what is that passage saying? It's saying the faith that was demonstrated through his mother and his grandmother. God got it in him. And he learned from them what it was meant to be at home in that kind of walking in that kind of faith. And God worked it in him. So here it is. So if your children or grandchildren could speak today, would they want to say, I want to be at home in the faith that I saw in you? I want that to be my resting place. Because that's what happened to Timothy. Guys, listen to me. There's no child, no grandchild. Too far away, God can't get them. But somewhere, they've got to see a parent or both parents with a vehement desire for the Lord. Not a desire, a vehement desire. Because it's only then Will they realize what they don't have? And it begins with faithfulness. I have parents coming to me all the time over the years. And they say to me, they say, Pastor, I just don't understand why my child don't have any desire for the things of God. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at these parents and I'm going, 
in my mind. I'm going, but there's no evidence of faithfulness in you. They learned it. They learned it. Now you say, well, I could be faithful to everything God has for me and they could still go awry. They could. But can I tell you something? There'll be something planted in them that they'll never, ever be able to shake. And that's a witness of godly people. Father, I stand in awe, I stand amazed. That, Father, in this Old Testament passage, you planted one little sentence about one mother that changes the whole tenor of this whole passage. And, Father, it just makes us realize that it just takes a godly influence. Father, prayerfully, according to your Zion, two godly influences. But Father, if there's just one godly influence, it can change the course of a child's life. Father, I pray today that you would help me and you'd help all of us to be godly parents. And that Father, it wouldn't be a matter of what my son wants but a matter of what you want. And that, Father, my son and our children and our grandchildren would come to us one day and say, I've asked the Lord to give me the faith that I see in you. What a glorious what a glorious thing that would be. And so, Father, whatever you need to do this morning, I pray you do for your honor and your glory. As we obey you, you do a work that only you can do. In Jesus' holy, precious, and mighty name. And all God's children said...